Hello, friends. Welcome to the ATC Double Cut. In today's episode, I want to talk about two recent blog posts. First is one that seems almost intuitive to me in that it's it's uh, it seems very simple. It seems like it's a throwaway statement. It seems like it's a, a phrase or a way of thinking about turfgrass management and about how much it's growing and about how much nitrogen we might apply that we don't even really need to consider. It seems too simple. And yet, it can also be a little bit profound. So I'm going to share that statement with you, explain the blog post, a couple of linked blog posts if you happen to be interested in this. And I think this is a really good timing to discuss that. So that is going to be the main topic of this episode. And I'm going to start by talking about that, about something that seems so simple that we almost don't need to consider it. And yet when we do consider it, it can actually transform the entire way that we manage high quality turf grass. So it's, it's something that's uh, kind of important. And I will be interested to discuss this one with you. And then the other one is about um, pesticide applications in Japan as contract applications, which is, I think, a little bit unique to the turf grass management industry in Japan. And I made a photo essay of that, and I will share that also. And I will encourage you to check out the blog post about that on the ATC website. And as usual... I will put direct links to all of the blog posts discussed here in the show notes so you can check them out at your convenience. To get started, let's have a look at the blog post that has a title, A Nitrogen Amount That's Far Too Small, or Is It? That is the title of the blog post. There will be a direct link to this. Um, the, the blog post... Uh, was from early September 2023, and it starts with a message that I received from a correspondent. I will let this be an anonymous golf course superintendent. It's a real person, but uh, I, I don't feel like naming this person at the moment. So, so this anonymous golf course superintendent sent me this message. I'm blown away by the quality of these surfaces with an amount of nitrogen I would have thought was far too small. And this is something that is interesting to consider that this golf course superintendent is blown away by the quality of the surfaces. And this golf course superintendent thinks that the nitrogen amount is an amount that once upon a time, sometime in the past, this golf course superintendent thought that it was far too small. But now they're blown away by the surfaces, by the quality of the surfaces. So I replied with this because th this is something that I have some experience with also um, be because I also would have recommended higher amounts of nitrogen in the past. So my reply was this, quote, paying attention to what the surface playability is and to how much the grass is growing really can change one's ideas of what is enough or normal or low or high. That's, that's it. Just paying attention to two things. The surface playability, the 
the playability of the conditions and or or, or the the uh, the playability of the surface and how much the grass is growing. So I've got a lot of textbooks behind me. In these textbooks, we can find statements that say this is a suitable annual amount of N, or this is a range of nitrogen that is common for golf course putting greens, or this is a range of annual nitrogen that is normal for, let's say, Kentucky bluegrass, Poa pertensis lawns. So we, we have all of these amounts that are expected to be normal, that we learn about in seminars, or we learn about from our mentors who we first learned the greenkeeping business from, or we learn about these from university classes, or we learn about them from uh, other resources. We, we learn about something and we come to expect it's normal. But that's never looking at how much the grass is growing and that's not looking at the playability. So we, we can start off with this idea of these amounts from the textbook might be normal, but to really check if it's appropriate or not for this particular season, for this time of year, for the way our surfaces are right now, all we need to do is check what the playability is. Is the surface meeting the requirements? Is the surface providing the type of conditions that we're looking for, or is it not? And then we may want to adjust the growth rate to grow more grass or to grow less grass based on that. And, and then the other thing we check is how much is the grass actually growing? If the grass is growing faster than we want it to, then we need to reduce the nitrogen rate. If the grass is growing slower than we want it to, then we can increase the nitrogen rate. And when you just pay attention to these things and you adjust the nitrogen rate in that manner, increasing the nitrogen rate when you want the grass to grow more, decreasing the nitrogen rate when you are happy to allow the grass to grow less, then it turns out then you, that you can get results like this anonymous golf course superintendent wrote to me who said that they're blown away by the quality of these surfaces with an amount of nitrogen they would have thought was far too small. Now, as I mentioned, this seems, this seems very, um, how does it seem? Uh, it seems so simple, so boring, so, uh, so obvious. Like we, we already know this. Of course, if the grass is growing too fast, we want to cut back on the nitrogen. If the grass is growing not fast enough, we want to increase the nitrogen. That, that makes sense. And yet we rarely make a systematic approach to actually implementing this. And when we do make an, a systematic pro approach to implementing this type of adjustment procedure for nitrogen rates, then it may turn out that you can get the type of results that you never would have imagined at nitrogen rates that are lower than what you once thought possible. And um, this is, yeah, this is something that, that I mentioned, I've had some experience with this because I 
used to recommend a standard nitrogen rate based on growth potential, the temperature-based growth potential of about three grams of nitrogen per square meter when the growth potential was one. You can just link up the growth potential to that standard nitrogen amount. And then that tells you when the temperatures are very far from the optimum for growth. Let's say it's January in Philadelphia. So if it's January in Philadelphia, it's going to be cold enough that the growth potential will be essentially zero and we don't expect the grass to be growing at all. So we also don't expect the grass to have a nitrogen requirement in Philadelphia in January. And because of that, when you multiply the growth potential of zero times the monthly maximum of three grams of nitrogen per square meter, which would be 0.6 pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet, if you multiply zero times three or zero times 0.6, you get a result of zero, meaning that the nitrogen amount that I would predict to apply in those conditions would be zero, no nitrogen. And then in a month like May, when the growth potential is closer to one, then I would be multiplying whatever the growth potential is. Let's say it's 0.85. So you're multiplying 0.85 for that month times three, and you're going to get something like 2.5, something like that, something like about a half pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet. That's the amount that would be predicted by that equation using three grams of nitrogen as the standard maximum amount. And when you do that, and you work through the year, then you add together month by month and you get these annual totals. And these annual totals using that method seemed pretty standard to me because they were just a little bit at the lower end of what we could read in the textbooks. They were, they, they might be a little bit below the bottom of the lower end from the textbooks, but they were reasonable. And yet, I have had to change this because over the past 15 years, I've noticed that turfgrass managers are getting excellent results with even less. So this is just observation, looking at the world around me, seeing how turfgrass surfaces are actually performing. And I realized it works better for creeping bent grass if we use a value like two or in pounds, that would be 0.4 pounds per thousand square feet per month when the growth potential is at a maximum. So when we, that's already a 33% reduction. That, that's a substantial reduction from what my previous normal was. So I used to recommend using three grams as the value that you'd put when you're using that growth potential calculation. Now I recommend for creeping bent grass to use two. So that, that is something where I've also adjusted down what my expectation was because I realized that people can get some great turf grass surfaces with efficient supply of nitrogen in relatively low amounts. What I also find now is lower nitrogen amounts than what I once thought possible. So that is... That is a blog post that I would encourage you to consider and think about how much nitrogen you're applying 
and think about possibly adjusting nitrogen rates based on whether the grass is currently growing as fast as you want it to or whether the grass is not growing as fast as you want it to and also making an assessment of the surface playability. So I've, I feel like I've written about this for a long time and, and partly I, I had a longer conversation with this golf course superintendent after this first message was written to me and I, I replied with, with that statement that paying attention to what the surface playability is and to how much the grass is growing can really change one's ideas of what is enough or normal or low or high. I, re I replied with that and then I elaborated in, in a little bit of frustration saying, I feel like I've been talking about this for five years and, and I know this superintendent wasn't expressing that um, message for the first time. In fact, it was qualified saying, I know we've talked about this before, but I just want to reiterate, I want to tell you again that I'm blown away by the quality of these surfaces because it, it is, it, 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 it's still kind of surprising when something that we've thought we knew for our entire career, maybe we thought we knew this for 10 years, or we thought we knew it for 20 years, or we've been a golf course superintendent for many years, or we've managed turf grass professionally for many years, or maybe like me, we have a bachelor's degree and a PhD in a turf grass topic. And we think, okay, we think we know this kind of thing. And then it, it does really blow you away and you want to say it again and again and, and, and converse about it and try to understand it more of how is it that now 15, 20, 25 years into my career, I'm blown away by something that I didn't know before that I've learned now. So it, it's, it's a natural way to respond to something like that, especially something so fundamental like growth rate, so fundamental like how much nitrogen is required. So I said, you know, I, I've, I responded to that by saying, yeah, I feel like I've been talking about this for like five years and it's like, why, why is everybody not getting this? And why, why are we still kind of a little bit surprised by this? And I thought about a few blog posts and also there are corresponding videos and podcasts and photo essays and so on that go along with these. Um, I, I thought a cup, uh, uh, I thought about a couple of these that I think are particularly relevant. And I want to remind you of these. I will put direct links to these posts also in the show notes. One of them, one that I'd like to recommend, it has the title Flipping Things Around. And this is about thinking not so much about how much the grass is growing, but thinking about when I apply this amount of nitrogen, how many clippings could this possibly produce? Because really, we're applying nitrogen not to put down a certain amount of nitrogen, but we're putting down nitrogen to create a certain turf surface or to make the grass grow a certain amount. And that blog post that has the title Flipping Things Around is one that I first wrote in 2017. And I'm just going to talk about this just briefly because I would encourage you to flip things around in your mind every now and then and think about how many clippings could this amount of nitrogen produce? So I said that uh, I find it useful sometimes to flip things around and think about what produced that amount of growth. 
let's say for a particular turf area for an upcoming event, I want to have a clipping volume of about 15 milliliters per square meter per day. Let's say that's the amount of clippings I want to produce averaged over a month long duration. So that will be about 450 milliliters per square meter over that month. If we add them all together, that's 15 milliliters per square meter per day. If that's the rate of clippings that I want, then I can consider how much nitrogen do I need to supply to produce that much growth? And the answer is for creeping bent grass, that will be just over one gram of nitrogen per square meter or two tenths of a pound of nitrogen. So if we apply two tenths of a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet, and if that is 100% efficient in being used by the grass, being used by creeping bent grass, and producing clippings, then we can expect that to produce about 450 milliliters of clippings per square meter. So if that is spread over the course of a month, that would be about 15 milliliters per square meter per day. And that comes from one gram of nitrogen. That comes from 0.2 pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet. And that that flipping things around post to me is, is really uh, an important way to think about things because if you say, okay, I'm going to put two pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet per year, uh, that produces like uh, three times more clippings than most people think is normal these days. So then the question is, if you're, if you're going to be applying two pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet, now this this is not a turf math episode, okay? So I'm not going to uh, go into the math too much. And this obviously depends whether we are in Edmonton or whether we are in Miami or whether we're in Panama City or whether we're in Johannesburg. You know, it depends where in the world we are and what type of grass we're growing um, of how many clippings are going to be produced and what normal nitrogen rates would be. But let's just say that we're in the, uh, let's say we're in Kansas City or something. If we're applying two pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet to creeping bent grass greens in Kansas City, that can produce a substantial amount of clippings. And that's going to produce 450 times 10 or 4.5 liters of clippings per square meter per year. And I know from some amounts of clippings from high performance putting greens in that region of the US that it may be more common to have about two liters or 2.5 liters per square meter in, in that part, in, in an area with that type of climate. So then, it does kind of make sense that assuming that you're only going to have 50% nitrogen uptake efficiency, then yeah, it makes sense that if you apply two pounds, you might get the amount of clippings that would be expected from only applying one pound. That, so that makes sense if you have 50% uptake efficiency, but if or, or 50% uh, nitrogen usage efficiency. But the thing to do is, is not assume what these efficiencies are because we're not using radioactively labeled 
nitrogen. We're not checking this. It's not a research project. It is professional turfgrass management. And so the trick that you can do is check the surface playability and pay attention to whether the grass is growing as fast as you want it to or not. And do that in real time and then adjust. And what you may find is that you can go even lower than you ever thought possible. And I never want to say that this is like a low nitrogen regime or a high nitrogen regime or starving the grass or all of these things that have no meaning. They, they, they're untethered from any particular baseline. If we just start saying low nitrogen, high nitrogen, suitable amount of nitrogen, that it's, it's not tethered to anything. It's not linked to anything. And what I would encourage you to link to is link the nitrogen amount that you apply to the amount of clippings that are being produced at your site. And if you do that, then all of a sudden you can determine what is a suitable amount of nitrogen for your site to produce the amount of clippings that you are trying to produce. And then it becomes something that you can try to repeat and adjust and improve on with confidence in the future. There is another blog post that I want to recommend if, if this is at all interesting to you and if you think that this could be useful for you. Now, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I know it's just coming up on spring in Australia, in New Zealand, in South Africa, in South America, south of the equator. So anywhere that spring is coming up, maybe this is something that you could start looking at or look at uh, expanding on or going into more detail with in your turfgrass management plan, in your growth plan, in your fertilizer plan for this coming growing season. And if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, then you're coming to the end of the peak growing season. And I think this is really something to keep in your mind as you think about, as you think about the review of this year's data, the review of this year's turfgrass performance, and plans that you might be making for doing things even better or even more efficiently or getting better results for the next upcoming growing season. So I think this is, this is a great time of year to be thinking about this because it's, it's not in the middle of anyone's uh, season. It's, it's either at the start or at the end of one. So, um, the other post that I want to recommend is one called is two tenths of a pound of nitrogen a lot or a little. And that is, that is the increment of one gram of nitrogen per square meter. And I talk about this, uh, as being a throwaway amount, uh, that if, if we raise or lower our annual nitrogen amount by that much, or if we if we put that much extra when we do a, a sand top dressing or something, uh, it seems like a throwaway amount, but I'm going to argue it's not because that produces, that can produce 450 milliliters of clippings or an entire month's worth of, of growth. And if you add that together now, if you have that throwaway amount that gets applied extra this year, and then it gets applied extra next year, but we consider it a throwaway amount, but now add it together for five years, now we've just applied a whole extra pound of nitrogen, which could produce, uh, that would be, that would be more than two liters of clippings, almost, almost 2.5 liters of clippings 
per square meter, which is a lot. That's almost an entire year's worth of, of clippings. So these kind of things, um, these kind of things, I like to consider them. I like to think about it and think about how much the grass is growing and how much does any particular amount of nitrogen, how, how much of an effect can that amount of nitrogen have on clipping production? So that's the main thing. And that's the one that is sort of like it's a, it's a throwaway comment. It sounds so simple. It's, it seems like something we're already doing. And I just want to encourage you to think about it just a little bit more. Uh, it's something that, that I've been thinking about and I continue to have conversations with, pe with people about it. And uh, it's, it's something that I think is a nice opportunity to potentially get surfaces that are better than you ever could have imagined by making that simple, simple change of just adjusting the nitrogen based on how much the grass is growing. Now, I want to, to transition now to a different topic. And that topic is keeping turf free of weeds, diseases, and insects. Now, this is a blog post that I put up that's kind of like a photo essay. And if you're watching this on uh, in video format, then you will see some of these photos as I scroll through the blog post. If you're listening to this, check out the link for this blog post, Keeping Turf Free of Weeds, Diseases, and Insects. It's pretty interesting how in Japan, a lot of herbicide and fungicide and insecticide applications to fairways and roughs, basically to the through the green areas everywhere except for the putting greens, tend to be made by the distributor. They tend to be made by the company that has provided the products. And that's... Uh, that's quite convenient. It, it turns out to be quite convenient. I used to think like uh, coming from a background of learning how to do turf grass maintenance in the United States, I was accustomed to making all of the applications myself with, with the team that we had at the golf course. And in Japan, it's customary to hire, to pay the distributor a little bit extra to make the application themselves. Now, it turns out that this can be quite efficient for a few reasons. And one reason is that um, we've just lost power here, <laughs> but I, I think I can still record for a while. Although my lighting is going to be a big mess if you're, if you're watching this. Anyway, um, golf courses in Japan typically have bent grass greens and then they have zoysia tees, fairways, and roughs. So to keep those zoysia tees, fairways, and roughs free of weeds when they're dormant in the winter, and to keep them free of especially large patch disease, which is very unsightly, to keep the grass free of that disease in the winter, then it is very important to make preventative applications of fungicides and of... Um, herbicides. And I showed a beautiful golf course. This is the uh, Shimonoseki Golden Golf Course in, uh, in 
Yamaguchi Prefecture in the winter. This photo was taken in March, and it is free of weeds, free of diseases, nice golden zoysia grass. And there's another golf course um, in central Japan that I show a picture of that has a lot of large patch in the autumn. And those scars, that disease, those disease symptoms are going to be visible not only in the autumn, but all through the winter and all through the spring because the grass is going into dormancy. So it's typical to prevent these. And when I was on a recent trip to Japan, I went by a large distributor, an agricultural products distributor, and I saw in their parking lot the awesome sprayer with the name of Spouter. And it's a spouter that shoots a mist. It's used for shooting up hillsides. And a lot of golf courses in Japan are built in the mountains. So you can have um, you can have the need to shoot product up a hillside that you couldn't really drive a sprayer on. Also, there's a lot of trees on golf courses in Japan that need treated with products and especially a lot of pine trees. And so the spouter can be used for that. And I've even heard that it's used sometimes to make growth regulator applications to fairways. So I've seen the spouter used to just put a big mist over fairways, uh, putting growth regulator out. Now, anyway, the, uh, the spouter was in the parking lot. And now my lack of, uh, electricity is leading to me not being able to show the remaining photos. So I think I can just go right back and, and show myself here and, and encourage you <laughs> to check out the rest of that photo essay because the rest of that photo essay uh, shows not only the spouter that's in the parking lot, but there's a spouter sprayer, another one inside the warehouse. And inside the warehouse, there are also two sprayers that are thousand liter tanks on trucks. And these are called tank shaws. And these are the common type of sprayer that's used for large areas in Japan. And there's also a Toro sprayer that is on a flatbed truck. So that's two tank shaws, uh, two spouters, and a Toro sprayer that were all at this warehouse. And what happens when you hire the company to apply those products, they will come out and make an entire treatment of the preventative fungicide application, perhaps mixed with a herbicide application, and they will do that, and they can do that in the course of one day for a typical 18-hole golf course. Maybe they will need a little bit of extra time. Maybe they will need another half day to come make some hand wand applications around some bunker edges or some difficult-to-reach tees or, or green surrounds or something like that. But basically, we would expect that the application could be completed within a day with three, four, five staff and sprayers. So th that makes it a little bit more easy to get these essential applications out, to get them made in Japan where the crew sizes are typically a little bit lower than what you'd see in the United States. And 
I don't know how common this is in other parts of the world to have uh, pesticide applications made on a contract basis. I know I've seen sometimes uh, sand top dressing amounts. Sand top dressing gets applied by specialized equipment uh, by a contractor. Uh, certainly the dry jet gets done by a contractor. I've seen some fertilizer applications that get done by a contractor. How about for pesticide applications? I, I know Chipco Choice, uh, Fipronil, which is a mole cricket preventative. That used to be done by a contractor. I don't know if it still is in, in all parts of the world or not. But this is something that, that I thought is, uh, is pretty interesting. So now my internet might... Hmm, maybe the internet is not fully back. My electricity is back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think that's enough. Uh, if you're interested in this, check out the post to learn a little bit more about golf course maintenance in Japan and how these golf courses in Japan can be kept relatively free of weeds, both in the winter and in the summer, and kept free of disease generally in the winter and in the summer and keep the insects under control, keep the grubs from getting out of control by about five or six pesticide applications per year that are typically uh, applied by the distributor. So that was fun to talk about those. And I, um, I think the... The idea of growth rate and adjusting the nitrogen based on that is, is so simple that it, it just seems like you're already doing it. And I, I guess maybe if you just listen to this, listen if there's any part of what I've just talked about that might be something that, you're, that you haven't tried yet. Because really the implications of all this, the implications of all this is not only that you get surfaces that are just amazing. But the idea would be that you can get away with putting a little bit less sand and perhaps doing a little bit less cultivation than you also once thought was necessary. So I used to think that a certain amount of sand top dressing was necessary. I used to think that a certain amount of cultivation was necessary. I used to think that grass invariably was going to be producing certain amounts of organic material in the soil and then that needed to be managed or we would have complete failure of our sand-based root zone system. And by being a little bit uh, a little bit more attentive to what's actually happening and to how much the grass is actually growing, instead of, of doing these textbook applications by just responding to what the grass is doing and, and adjusting the management based on that, I think we, we have some opportunities to have fun managing grass and, and maybe get results that we never thought possible. So I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, probably some more coming up for me about these topics because they continue to be endlessly fascinating and I discover various nuances um, and various ways to explain it. Uh, and I, I get asked to ask... I get asked interesting questions that I want to then explain a little bit better and realize that 
I can explain a little bit better than I have in the past. So I just constantly try to improve my understanding and then improve the way that I explain about that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I assure you that I have some intention of being back relatively soon with some uh, new information and more interesting turfgrass discussion. But for now, I will sign off for ATC from Trang, Thailand. I am Michael Woods. Bye-bye.